Welcome everyone, I'm Heather Welch from EDX Education and today I'll be in conversation with Dr. Jessica Sheridan. Jessica is a super mum of two, lecturer, educational psychologist and play advocate. Jessica founded at the Dr. Jessica on Instagram who has also been practicing educational psychology, helping develop online curriculums, providing educational leadership at the forefront of the education system evolution around the globe. Today, we are chatting with Jessica about educational psychology, school readiness, home learning, and putting it into practice, and where to next. Now, due to timing, we've actually pre-recorded a lot of questions, so we look forward to hearing from Jessica. Hi, everyone. This is Jessica, better known as the Dr. Jessica, which is my Instagram account if you're interested in following along with me or connecting with me. First and foremost, I just want to say thank you so much to EDX Education. Whenever we work together, it's always a pleasure. So before I get started on some of these preset questions, I think it's important to give you just a brief understanding of my background so you get to know me a little bit better, but you also can feel like you can trust my viewpoints and opinions going forward. So I have a PhD in educational psychology, but I am also a mom of two little kids that are 16 months apart. My son is two and my daughter's getting ready to turn one. So our lives are very busy and my life is always very chaotic, but um, it's wonderful and I feel extremely blessed. And it's really fun for me to merge the two areas of my life, my children and my, my knowledge and my education experience with educational psychology and, and bridge those together. So in terms of my degree, I have been teaching college students throughout my entire um, higher education. So I've been teaching college students every single semester for well over a decade. So I have plenty of experience with college students as well as some non-traditional students, which means students that have come back to college that are not in the typical 18 to 22 year old age range. So I have that experience. I also spent a lot of my time working with our observational research, research preschool that was on campus where they practiced Montessori and constructivism concepts. So I have a lot of experience with that. Spent a lot of other time uh, the other duration of my time working with K-12 schools throughout the city in which I live, where I helped provide educational reform and educational change just by working with teachers, understanding their teaching philosophy and teaching practices, and you know, bringing in my knowledge and experience and trying to help provide uh, reform there. And last, I worked on our medical campus in our neuroscience and functional brain MRI centers that we had uh, where I worked with psychologists, psychiatrists, and, and, and some neuroscientists. And I was lucky enough to be a part of, of plenty of behavioral and developmental studies, as well as being trained on how to understand and read functional MRI brain scans. So I'm, I was in school for a very long time, but I'm very lucky that I'm someone that got such a in-depth, wide-range of understanding about how the brain, the body, development, and human behavior all combine that play into education and the individuality of a person. So I feel very blessed that I have such, you know, a, a very holistic perspective of all those things. I think it makes me a lot more experienced in being able to help others and provide, you know, provide beneficial advice. So that being said, let me go ahead and jump into some of the questions here. So the first question is, is how did you find, found the Dr. Jessica and are passionate about play? So I founded the Dr. Jessica over a year ago with my son because he is a, a very gifted child and he's someone that I found needed more than just 
simplistic activities that I was giving him at the time. Like most moms, you know, young children need constant stimulation, but it's not so much about just sticking, you know, toys in front of them. It's about providing, it's providing variety, but it's also providing things that are of value that are going to help them grow developmentally. Um, I'm passionate about play. I would say that I became passionate about these things during my education, but now that I have kids, it really has bring it all brought it all to the forefront. So it's it's really neat for me to kind of merge the two together. So it's a journey for me. It's it's unfolding as I go along. Some things are going to be changing with my social media account soon because I want to start bringing more of my knowledge into it as opposed to just posting about activities and talking about the developmental benefits. So it's a journey for me, but I'm excited. It's, it's, um, it's going really well and I'm excited to see all of it all combined and take off together. Next question is, what is your main ethos when becoming an educational psychologist? My main ethos has always been education and educational change. It's a really exciting time right now because education is transforming so much. I would say it was already transforming before the virus before the virus hit, but you know, now even more parents are finding that they can actually educate their kids from home while still working at a job. And it's really making parents and caregivers start to question if whether or not they actually like the school systems and if it's working for their child. Whereas before I think people felt more of a of a pressure and almost kind of handicapped with their you know, inability to explore other options. So the virus has really provided a new window where people can start to say, you know, is this working for me? So my main ethos is essentially education. I mean, I I very much care about development and human behavior, but education and providing educational reform is, is definitely where my interests and passions lie. Next question is, how has it helped with your own children? Well, it's been wonderful bringing the two together and my own children, you know, each of my children are very different. So my daughter needs one thing. My son needs another. And it's really challenges me to dive into my own knowledge and, and my own experiences to try to create new ways of learning that are going to be beneficial to them per their individual personalities and behavior and learning styles. So it's, really kind of almost put pressure on me to figure out solutions for them. And it's great because it's allowing me to be more, um, more, more able to help other people as well, as opposed to just providing a blanket statement for, for help and advice. Let's see. What are your aspirations with, uh, your life objectives? So my, my, one of my main life goals that I've always had since I've been in my PhD is to create a a curriculum, a homeschool curriculum. It's something that I've wanted to do for many years. And I can say now that I, like most people, the coronavirus has allowed me to kind of step back and look at my own life and say, you know, what do I want to do? Is it the right time? I don't know exactly if it's the right time, but you know, in life, there's never really a right time. We just kind of do things and do the best that we can, especially to to moms. Uh, I feel a kinship with moms out there in this regard that there's things that you know, you want to do, there's things that I want to do. There's, there's dreams and passions that we have. And my advice to anyone listening is that go after it. You know, you might not be able to, and you probably won't be able to dive all in, 
but that's okay because I think kids teach us that it's, it's all right to have gray, you know, it doesn't always have to be just black and just white, that it's okay to have some gray and, and, and just move forward with that. Whether it's just one step at a time, that's, that's enough. So my point is, is that with my own aspirations, that's where I am as well, that I plan to, I'm starting to, excuse me, I'm starting to actually one day at a time, build that homeschool curriculum. Okay. How have you been supporting the USA schools to improve children's learning experiences? So the way that I've been supporting us schools is the last year I've been working with the research one institution where I was, you know, a, a teacher and I've been helping them to transform in-person classes to online. But I also paired up with one of my very close colleagues to actually build a completely online human development track, which has been an unbelievable task. But we literally created an entire an, an entire track for human development that's you know zero through adulthood. So I've been helping to transform classes, to make them online, to create that program. Um, and it's been a lot of work. So that's how I've been helping USA schools to improve children's learning experiences. Would love to know how you became so passionate and involved in play and empowering others. Well, again, having an educational psychology PhD, the passion um, and involvement has always been there. But now that I have my own kids, it's made me really want to dive into my my lifelong goals and start to really share you know, what I know with other people because I have children. Whereas I think when I was in school, it was easier for me to just teach and kind of go, you know, be more in the background where now I think it's like, I have my own kids. There's other moms out there that are wanting and needing the same questions, um, and have the same problems that maybe I do. So it's time for me to start using my own children and my own knowledge and bringing that together to provide that for other people. Next question. As a mom, we all need a community and would love to hear more about the work you've been doing. Also, how can moms join or get involved around the world? So I think this is more of a two-part question, so I'm going to answer it individually. The first question is, um, you'd like to hear more about the work that I've been doing. So again, I would say within the last few months, after working so hard with, with the university where I've you know, I've been working for so long and where I got my degree, I decided that it's time for me to step away because creating an entire, creating an entire program and helping to change so many of the classes in terms of their platform from online to, I'm sorry, from in-person to online has been very draining. So it's really made me want to step back and say, it's time for me to do what I want to do in my own life. And it's really start, it's time for me to achieve those goals. So I've slowly been starting on my own to build that homeschool curriculum that's that's been my dream. It will take a little bit of time, but it's it's something that I'm starting to work on now. Um, and also, I'm going to start changing the dynamics of my social media accounts. Um, I don't want to get too much into that right now, but I can say that big changes are coming. So I, I'll leave it at that. Um, okay. So the second part of the question is, is how can moms join or get involved around the world? Moms need a community. So I would say, you know, let's bring the present with the past. So I think social media is great for connecting with moms, but you know, I also worry a little bit when I see moms on their phones all day because then you're missing out on your kids. So 
I say it's equally important to talk to people. Get your kids outside. Take them to parks, museums, art museums, um, conservatories. You know, take them anywhere. Take them outside just to even walk the neighborhood and just talk to people. Be friendly. You'd be so surprised at what you can, you know, who you can interact with and who they might know and um, the connections that you might make just from talking to people, just communicating and being friendly and, you know, sharing your interests and your concerns and your values and people will connect with that and you'll naturally start to build a community that way. So again, I think that it's important to use social media and in that regards, but I think it's also important to put down your phone and talk to people. I think that you'll be very surprised at the community that you can build just from those two aspects. Next question. In the UK, USA, and parts of Australia, many children have been off school for three, three to six months due to COVID. Do you have any advice to parents worried about their children lost and lost academically? Um, I would say this. In the years that I have been a teacher, which has been well over a decade, the main issues that I hear is my child is bored. My child doesn't like this subject or this subject. My child doesn't like learning. Um, my child is falling behind in this subject. This is the, this is the blanket advice that I can provide. And if you would like more detailed advice, please reach out to me because I can be more assistance on a case by case basis, but just as a very blanket advice, which I think is very valuable, but I will say this, every single person in the world lives according to a value system. And by values, I mean priorities. You can figure those priorities and values out from somebody very, very quickly by just paying attention to their interests, to their likes, what they talk about, what they buy, what they read, what they watch, what they subscribe to, what's on their walls, what's on their computer. I mean, you can find out very quickly what someone cares about the most in their life. And the same thing goes with your children. So if your child, for instance, doesn't like math, but your son very much likes hockey, you're going to have to find a way to connect the two because otherwise he's not going to see any value in math, but he still sees value in hockey. So maybe the way that we connect that is saying, okay, I understand that you don't like hockey, but guess what? Or you like hockey, but you don't like math, but guess what? The rink is circular. You know, maybe we can understand the circumference of the rink and the different angles to find out the different angle that you need to be at to be able to get the puck into the goal faster. Or maybe we need to understand the velocity and the speed to get the puck in the faster. Or how fast you need to be hitting the puck with your stick to be able to get it into the goal the fastest and quickest, most efficient way possible. So again, this is a very general way to say this, but there's a way to connect the hockey with the math to get your child to see more value in math. The same thing happened with one of my students at the college level. She was in our educational program, but she wanted to be a fashion major and she wanted to go into fashion. So what I did is I had her sit down and I had her write out 30 different ways that what she was learning in our education program was actually helping her to become a fashion major or you know go into a career with fashion. At first, she was providing very ba basic answers and she still didn't really see connection. But once she pushed past it, she realized that actually there were so many things that she was learning or doing um, or experiencing within the educational program that was actually helping her to become very successful within the fashion field and fashion career. And again, it wasn't until we got to about 30 different answers that she started to actually change her entire perception within her brain and go, wow, 
I need this educational program more than I ever thought. After she got past that point, she started showing up to class every single day on time. She was actually volunteering to be the lead for group projects. It was amazing. It was a complete transformation. And it's all because she started to see value in something she didn't care about because it related now to something she cared very much about. And again, you have to have at least 20 to 40 or more reasons about how those two things connect or else that, or else that individual is never going to be able to change their perception because at first they're going to come up with very basic answers. And you really have to dive into their psyche and get them to see, know in fact that this thing that you don't care for is essential to get you to the thing that you do care for. And, you know, just as a side note, you can do that with absolutely anything in life. Absolutely anything. Even a person. Um, so again, if this is something you want more information, definitely send me a direct message or email me. Um, I'll get into that at the end of this and how you can connect with me. So next question is, Many parents have struggled with sending their children back to a school environment. However, worry about social isolation if they homeschool. Can you give a few suggestions? So this is such a major, a major misperception with homeschooling that kids that homeschool are very weird um, or they're socially awkward. It's actually quite the opposite. I know many homeschool families across the continental USA in different states. And um, honestly, they say that their kids are so socially adept and so socially... Um, so socially aware that they have a hard time connecting with their peers. So um, I think that there's always a possibility for, for a child to be socially awkward. But if you do homeschool, a lot of that depends on the parents. You know, are you getting your child out? Are they getting around people? Who are they getting around? Um, you know, are you teaching them how to talk to people, how to have, you know, social skills? So those are all things that are going to play into is your child going to be you know, have any social issues if they do homeschool. Um, the other thing that I'll say is this. I read a research article once that I think very much applies to this concept. And the research article was basically talking about how they took a group of homeschool students and they put them back into a traditional school with their peers and found that the homeschool students could not connect with their peers whatsoever because their peers were talking about things that the homeschool students were felt were very trivial um, very immature, almost beneath them, because the homeschool students were so um, so engrossed within society, so able to talk to people, and, and just on such a higher level that they almost couldn't connect with them and found that the, their topics of conversation were very juvenile. So I think that that's applicable to this question. Um, I, we really need to get away from this concept that, you know, kids that are homeschooled are weird or they're awkward. Honestly, kids at homeschool are thriving, and homeschool is on the rise. I live within the United States, and to date, currently, there's roughly 330, 320 to 330 million people in the United States. There's about 56 million kids that are in K-12 through schools, and currently there's about 2.5 million kids that are homeschooled. Before the coronavirus ever even hit, by 2030, the homeschool number in the United States was supposed to jump up to about 10 to 11 million kids. So we have to ask ourselves, why is that? I mean, why are parents pulling their kids out of school? Catholic schools, private schools, traditional schools, public schools, it doesn't matter. They're pulling them out because they want, they want better for their kids. And they want their kids, you know, to be... They want their kids' individual learning styles to be better addressed. And, you know, that is, as well as the social issues, I believe. Um, so, you know, I, I think that 
a child can have social isolation and, you know, some social skill issues no matter what. But I think it very much depends on the home environment, the caregiver, the parents. Um, and, but overall, I, I find that it's quite the opposite. And in terms of, you know, not having anything to do, that's another misconception that I hear about homeschool kids. Every single homeschool family that I talk to says that they have so many social things to do, they have to turn them down constantly because once you start to build your homeschool community, there is nothing but activities, events, get-togethers all the time, all the time. So, um, you know, we found that with traditional schooling, and by traditional schooling, by definition, what I'm saying here is a child who goes to school for eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, um, to a brick-and-mortar building and, and receives their education that way. So, um, you know, I think that what we're what we have found through research is that essentially a child needs very little time learning the actual school content and school subjects. Um, the rest of the time can be spent doing something more beneficial to their success and their development and their growth. Um, okay, so hopefully I answered that that uh, sufficiently. Next question: What are the top three things you would suggest to do with your children to prepare them for the transition to learning? So. I think definitely what I talked about in terms of the value aspect to child's priorities, trying to connect those to the subjects they don't like, that is critical because your child's going to continue to transition through grades. And I'm sure, I'm sure at one point in time, there's going to be a subject or two that they do not care about. And you're going to have to find a way as the parent, because it's, it's unlikely that the school system will, you know, be able to care for your child. There's too many kids. And so it's going to be your job as the parent to find a way to connect that, you know, what your child likes to what they don't like. Um, and again, hopefully I explained that well enough. And please, please contact me if you'd like more information, but that's going to be critical. The second thing that I would suggest is, um, you know, because of this coronavirus, I think this is a fantastic opportunity to, to really reiterate, especially as a researcher myself, as someone with a, a higher education degree, we need to start encouraging our children along with ourselves to be critical thinkers and researchers. Unfortunately, we live in a world today um, where people aren't doing that. It's, it's amazing to me that we live in a time where we have so much information at the touch of our fingertips, something that was never available you know, prior in history of the world. And everybody had to go by word of mouth. And now we don't have that. And yet still... Still, we're going by word of mouth today. It just baffles me. So the thing I constantly preach to students, to people, is erase the fear. Erase the unknown by becoming the known. Research. Look into something. Don't just take anything by what is said to you. Question it. You know, dive into it. Look up for yourself. I think the coronavirus is a fantastic example of that, where so many people are utterly terrified of something but have absolutely, absolutely, you know, to, to little to no information about this virus and know very little about it at all. So I think we need to start teaching our kids to be more entrepreneurial and to start really being critical thinkers and being more independent and self-sufficient and, and really starting to look into topics, critical topics, um, critical event topics and understanding them on their own. So, you know, these fears, these unknowns, these uncertainties, they're erased, no matter what that is, whether that's just something from the coronavirus to how to apply to college or, you know, figuring out how to study for the GREs. 
or the SATACTs, no matter what the subject is, we need to start taking more responsibility and accountability into looking into the information ourselves. The third and final thing is, is that research that I have read throughout my schooling has said that a steady home life and parents that are involved is going to help a child succeed more than the than numerous other factors that I can list. Children desperately need a stable home life with, with stable, caring parents and caregivers. You know, having a sit-down meal with your kids can do so much. Starting to instill those routines and those values um, and that stability and consistency and showing our children that we're there and we care for them can do an immense amount of, of, of benefits. Um, you know, and also, let's be honest, we live in a time today where our kids are, are plugged into so much social media. There's so much stuff out there and apps um, and different social platforms that they can get on. There's new ones coming about all the time that we really have to watch our kids. It's, it's unfortunate. You know, to be honest, it's very unfortunate, but we have to. We have to really keep a close eye on our kids because I know everybody wants their child to be successful. And I know that they want their kids to end up on the right path. And the only way we do that is to be involved, but to show you that we're involved through caring and through listening and being there. Um, we sit down with our, our family a couple nights a week for a family dinner, and we ask my son questions. Now he's only two. He doesn't really understand, but he will. And he'll get to know and get used to that routine. And we have fun. We tell jokes. Um, you know, we all just we laugh and we have a good time. But we sit down as a family and we start to reiterate that routine every day. And we put down phones and we turn off the TVs. Um, and we don't have any TVs in the bedroom just to, to set that. You know, we're very limited on our screen time because I'm trying to create an environment in my home where we, we almost disconnect. And it's a safe place and it's a warm place and it's a place where a lot of love, understanding, listening and caring um, is, is happening. Uh, okay. So finally, as a mom of two, if we are looking at home learning in the future, do you have tips for parents, caregivers struggling to keep multiple age children learning? So I think Maria Montessori really said this best in the sense that it, it's, it's fantastic for younger kids to be working with older kids and older kids to be teaching younger kids. I, I honestly learned more as a professor by teaching than I ever did preparing in classrooms by myself in my office or, you know, preparing for class in my office by myself beforehand. It is amazing how much of a benefit you can learn um, from teaching someone else. So younger kids can definitely benefit from learning from older kids, but older kids can benefit and learn so much from teaching younger kids. That's why Maria Montessori put kids together from 0 to 6, 6 to 12, and 12 to 18. So I, I would not worry about that at all. I don't think that that's an issue. So those are all my questions that I have. If you, ha if you would like to connect with me, if you have any more questions yourself, if there's some things that I said here that you want more information about, definitely reach out to me. Um, again, I said this in the beginning, but my Instagram is the Dr. Jessica all one word. My Twitter is the doc Jessica. And then the best way to reach me is through my email, which is Jessica at the Dr. Jessica.com. That's Jessica at the Dr. Jessica.com. I am putting a website together. And again, I'm going to be changing my entire social media platform, um, to, to really kind of structure around my experience and my knowledge and education. So there's going to be some changes with that. But again, this has been a pleasure speaking with all of you. Hopefully you, you gained some value out of this and um, hopefully it's benefited you in some way. 
Thanks so much. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. What an amazing year you have had from lecturing, practicing educational psychology and being a super mom of two littlies 16 months apart. We look forward to hearing about the challenges and the changes in the education system. You sound like you have it down pat. It's exciting to hear that you're embarking on a new adventure and we look forward to sharing that with all of our listeners. If you do want to get in touch with Jessica, please do send her a message on Instagram and she can get back to you at the Dr. Jessica. There's also a link in the bio. There are so many relevant topics right now and EDX Education would love to hear from you. So please get in touch and subscribe to our podcast, Education Tips from the Experts with EDX Education, which is available on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, TuneIn and so many more channels. My name is Heather Welch from EDX Education. Let's all stay safe.